This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. Things sales. Ooh, that's a dirty word. No, it's not. Selling. <laughs> that's what people think about. That's what's going through the head like sales. And they cringe. But no, selling is helping people. Selling in 2021 is providing value and helping people. It's not a dirty word. We can even talk about where the dirty word comes from, but everything that we're going to talk about today is things you should not be doing in your sales process. So in the process of helping someone, convincing them to trade your value for their hard-earned dollars, that is what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about why uh, why you shouldn't do these things. And then in a second part after this next week, we're going to talk about all the things that you should be doing, okay, which is obviously going to be a lot of the opposite of what we talk about today, but even more stuff as well. Guys, before we jump into the show, of course, if it comes to buying and when it comes to buying and selling gyms in Australia, the number one place to go, whether you're in Anytime Fitness, an F45, a boutique CrossFit gym, a personal training studio, a Globo gym, independent brand, franchise, whatever it is, and you want to make money on your investment. So sell your current gym, or maybe you want to buy a gym. Maybe you want to get into the fitness game. Maybe you think there's a hole. You've been listening to In the Black for a while, and you're like, you know what? I know how to run gyms. I know I can do this better. And you want to not start from scratch. Maybe you want to build from an existing client base, build onto an existing brand. The best place to go shopping, the best place to sell your gym is AFS Brokers. So afsbrokers.com.au. And you can always check it out as the mymuscleproject.com slash AFS Brokers. You'll find it there or maybe it's slash AFS, one of those. You guys can find uh, all the contact details and everyone you need to speak to there with all the information. You can check it out at that link. And then of course, guys, as well, as you know, with $200 in the cart, you will get 25% off Blue Blocks. Now, that is going to look like either two pairs of glasses or one pair of glasses with a sleep mask, a red light, another accessory, um, maybe one of the, the bulbs. Uh, which he's worked so hard on in his factory to get the flicker out of it, to get all the stuff that... So what essentially flicker is, is that in all artificial lights, right, all light bulbs that we create, there's this thing called flicker. And you can't see it's imperceptible uh, to your normal conscious vision, but your sub-perceptual vision is picking it up. And what it does, it actually fatigues the eye. So if you, the reason you sit in artificial light all day, so there's no flicker in the sun, but the reason you, you sit in artificial light... You know when you go slow-mo, you slow things down, and like it's really slow and you can see the light flickering, that's what flicker is. And what it does, it actually fatigues you faster than regular sunlight. So if you guys are sitting in dark rooms all day and you don't have proper bulbs or you're not protecting yourself from flicker with blue light blocking glasses, you are actually fatiguing yourself faster. So if you're an office worker, maybe you sit at home, you don't have natural sunlight in the room that you work in, it's time to get yourself a pair of blue blocks. So the mymuscleproject.com slash blue blocks, there is a code there for 25% off when your, when your cart ticks over $200. It's an only an opportunity you'll get once. So make sure you take advantage of it. Okay, first thing I want to talk about today, the things you should not do when selling. The very first thing before you start any of this entire process, and I would highly recommend you pay close attention to this one, is not believing in what you're selling. It seems so obvious, yet so many people find themselves in a position struggling to sell and they have no idea why. And at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is you're trying to solve a customer's problem. And if you're not interested in helping that person or if you don't think that the solution you have is right for this person or you don't believe in it, it's just going to be hard to sell. I'll tell you what, I'll, be my, I'll put my hand up and say, I was guilty of this for a long time. The coaches we had, the classes we were running, the program we were doing, 
whilst it was right for a few people, when we first started, we weren't doing a great job and it's hard to back yourself in a sales conversation when you feel like, my gym's not clean enough, it's not a very good program, I don't have great coaches, I'm not a great leader or a business owner. The selling, the passion, it just doesn't come through in the same way and that's why it's hard to back yourself. It's hard to sell things when you just know what you're selling is just not that great and you're not passionate behind it. You don't really believe in it. Yeah, and I think one way you can, because if you can increase your belief in it, you're always going to do better, right? If you're, like, if you're convinced 100% this is the best thing in the whole world, usually you can do a better job than mm. when you're like, oh, I think this may be not going to be great for you in the back of your head, right? Mm. It's like pretty obvious when you think about it. One way you can increase your belief in it is often if it's maybe your program or you work at the gym, you see all the faults, right? You're like, oh, this could be better. Or what if we did like genetic testing, right? Be, you can see the details. But if you think about what this person's going to go do if they don't come and work with you, often that's an easy way to increase your belief. It's mm. like, okay, like I used to think about what if this person doesn't join my gym, say my creature fitness in my gym, what are they going to do? Ah, oh, they're probably going to go to like an F45 or they're going to try and do it on their own. They're going to just boot camp down the park. I'm like, oh man, that sucks. Like that's really much worse than this. Like mm. this, is, this is really the best thing for them. Like or maybe there's something better somewhere else, but compared to what 99% chance they're going to go do, this is 10x better. Yeah. So sometimes have a think about it, man. If you don't help this person, what else are they going to go do? Fucking Apple Fitness or some shit. <laughs> really, most of the time, is this is the best thing for them. And if you can't lift your game here, then you're really doing them a disservice. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes potentially people don't believe in what they're selling is because they just have some broken ideas and beliefs also about what their service is worth. So maybe your service is worth $100 uh, a week and, and you've priced it accordingly. But, you know, you and for, for some reason in your mind, you're like, well, the market rate is $60. Mm. And so you don't actually believe that you're worth $100 even though you've put it there or the owner's put it there. You're like, fuck, $100. Like, man, but basically doing the same thing the other gym does and they're charging 60 We don't know for certain what the other gym is actually doing, firstly. And second, you've got to back yourself. If it's $100, $100 for a reason. So you need to back yourself. And remember, perception is everything. So all you've got to do is just sell them on the value. You know, Tell them you're going to solve their problems. It's easily worth that extra $40 a week. Okay, so next thing that people are missing, and I actually had a really weird broken belief from it, and I've tried to track down in the memory bank where it came from, but... I remember hearing something early on when I was starting to learn about this sales stuff that rapport building wasn't important, that it was actually just a waste of time. At the end of the day, everyone knew while they were there to sell, you just sell and get it done. And I think there is some truth to that. But I also, look, when a sales conversation happens, we both know why we're there. You know, you want something, you want to potentially look at the value here, get a problem solved and I'm here to solve that problem and we want to exchange money in that transaction. We both know that. To have absolutely no, no rapport building in that at all is quite cold. There has to be some rapport building process in there. It's not, I think the reason that I felt like that is because whoever I first learned it from was like, what you don't want to go in is end up talking about the game on the weekend for 35 minutes yeah. and you don't get to sell. And I agree with that. That's a huge waste of time. And that's completely off track. But you want to know a little bit about this person. You don't want to be completely unknown about who you're getting across because you want to give them something about yourself, some vulnerabilities, a bit of your story so they feel more comfortable because people just want to buy from people they trust, right? And part of trusting someone is knowing a bit more about them. So you get into the session and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Tell me a bit more about what you do professionally. Oh, cool. Tell me how you first kind of got into fitness. All right, awesome. Tell me a bit more about some of your family life at home. What's what's the home like? How's that? Because it's kind of all related to, to fitness and stuff, right? It's all part of the, the conversation. Uh, whereas how the game was on the weekend is not really related to the conversation. So picking things, rapport building areas that you can touch on with your prospects are important. 
um, that relate to the sale. And those would be those sorts of things. Uh, and then, yeah, you can tell them a little bit about yourself. Oh, man, that's really cool. Yeah, I've been to that gym before. I did some of those classes. Yeah, it wasn't really for me. It was really tough. Or, you know, I have a goal this year. I really want to run a marathon. And so I'm really trying. So you've run, you know, how was it to run that, the New York Marathon? Oh, that was so sick. Cool. I'd love to do something like that. Yeah, I'm going to do my fast, first marathon this year. What time do you run? Oh, I'm trying to run something like that. Done. Now you've kept it on fitness, built a little bit of rapport. You know that around the New York Marathon, they know you're trying to run your first marathon this year. You can have a little bit of a laugh about it, tell some stories. Bang, then you go into the sales process. And that just kind of helps, you know, cut the tension in the room. But not doing any of that, I think, is a huge mistake or doing too much. And, and also, you often pick up something that's going to be critical maybe down the line. So, if you come in, oh, you know, it has been, oh, man, you know, it's been so busy. Like, And straight away, you know, oh, cool, their main objection here is like, are they going to have the time, mm. you know, to do this? And you can almost hear that straight away. They complain mm. about how busy they've been or they're straight away into, oh, you know, had such a good weekend, you know, did this, did this, did this. Like, oh, they actually really value, like, being physically active because mm-hmm. that's the first thing they jump to about their weekend and you just call you just put that in the bank and yeah. you know that's going to come back around yeah exactly you're, you're, you're gathering information mm. it's an information gathering process cool so third thing that um, probably one of the most common mistakes with most people when they're starting out and they're learning sales and you know to be honest I am so critical of sales processes when I go through them now and I'm sure you are as well right in the same way that you're super critical when you probably walk well I definitely am. I don't know if you can relate to this one as much. You think a bit differently about things, but when I walk into a business, I'm like, how's someone treating me? What's the distance? What's the flow? Uh, what's the customer service like? All these like small little details. How is the shelf stacked? You know, Which way are the logo is facing? Uh, is it clean? All these small little things that are really important that say so much about a business and how much they care. This, I think, ultimately really relates down to when you when you start into this conversation uh, in the sales process with someone, are are you listening? Are you making the amateur mistakes of not asking and just jumping straight into your sales process? Because there's some really good uh, there's some really good brands out there, and they still have an awful sales process for some reason. I still get into it. I know heaps about this brand. It's great marketing. It's had a great referral. I start in the sales process, and like I just said, we're really critical of these things. And I think, where are my questions? Why have you not asked me what my problem is? Why are you not getting to know me a bit more? Why you don't you're just jumping straight into your pitch. You haven't listened and you're not asking questions. Or you're asking questions but I know you're not listening. And how do you know someone's not listening? Cuz they jump straight to the next question. Mm. It's like I ask you, okay, so like what is the home like life? You're like, "Oh, you know, man, when I get home, my wife's just always cooking like really fatty meals for us and the kids like I there's never any protein there's never any this never any that and I think I'm really struggling there like I think I need some help with somehow giving her some recipes or whatever you're like yeah cool okay and um, you know what was the last time that you went to a gym it's like no follow up question to obviously a problem they just presented to you so you're not clearly not listening there you know when you listen you're like oh so when you get home you're saying that like your wife's cooking she's really stressed so she just makes quick easy unhealthy meals for you and the family yeah right and so that's going to be a bit of a sticking point for us because there's not going to be enough protein when you eat at home. Yeah, exactly. And you're saying like she needs some different recipes to potentially cook for you and like easy, fast, simple recipes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, cool. They know you're listening. You're engaged in that. And not doing any of that, huge mistake. Because now they think you just don't care. You're just not paying attention. Yeah, I always feel like if, you, if you're listening into sales process, you can, sometimes when you're doing it yourself, you can feel it, but the momentum just dies when the person stops speaking. <sighs> As soon as the person so is just quiet, you just feel like, oh, the momentum is going bad, bad, bad. They haven't spoken for like five minutes. You're like, okay, it's, it's over. Yeah. Like, just call it up. It's yeah. totally fucked. Because they're, they're disengaged, right? You never, I mean, unless you're like the ultimate person, you're generally not going to talk somebody into this, right? They're going to talk themselves into it. That's the whole point of it. 
So when they're, if you found yourself talking for a couple of minutes, like the momentum is dying out of the process. You need to get them back talking again. No one's going to walk out of a process in the middle of a conversation. Mm. But if you're talking, they might. If you were to split it up between your, you talking and the customer talking in your sales process, which is usually about an hour for mm. us in person, I mean, discounting the phone call. Yeah. What would you say the split is percentage-wise? It's probably around 75-25. Yes, I'd say. And I reckon... Um, yeah, around there. And I, I reckon that if you took, say, the first two-thirds of it, it's probably like a 95-5, them yeah. talking. And at the end, when it's a bit more like they're asking me a few questions about how the program works and stuff, it like starts to even up a little bit, a bit more explanation uh, to make sure they kind of got no questions before we get to the final close. But yeah, vast majority of the time they're speaking. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And that's what you need to be thinking about. In fact, I had such a bad sales pitch the other day. I almost think he knew. I think it was one of those person that they were like in an evolutionary process with their sales. Like they're getting better. Mm. They're leveling up. They know a lot, but they haven't had the reps to apply it yet. So much so that exactly what you talked about, they knew the momentum had stopped, especially because, you know, I did this sales process over Zoom and mm. Zoom like loses a bit of, uh, of its energy. But basically what happened was he's pitching me and then he starts going on his pitch and it's so long that by the end he starts laughing and he's like, fuck, I feel like I've just been talking for ages here. I'm so sorry. Like, that's everything. Uh, any other questions? And I was like, bro, I tuned out. You tune out. You start thinking about other stuff because you're not engaged in the conversation. So you have to ask questions and you have to be listening. Okay, so next point, fourth point we got here uh, of things that you shouldn't do and that is giving too much away for free. Yeah, this one is pretty obvious really if you give away a lot for free it just in the in the mind of the customer it devalues the service right because if you went what if you could buy some fancy jewelry they're like oh let's give you pieces of jewelry today i'll oh, come back I'll give you some more jewelry and then on like the third visit you're like oh, okay it's like twenty thousand dollar piece you're like what you've been like hand this stuff out for free yeah, there's yeah. no way this stuff is expensive it must yeah. cost you nothing yeah and same thing with your with your fitness even though it's a service and it's not a product I think with products, it's obvious. You're like, man, I cannot give this too much away because it costs me like $5 mm-hmm. per, per widget I'm giving away here. With service, you're like, oh, there's no cost here. All good. So you fall into that trap. So if you're giving someone like three sessions free, one week free, fucking one month free, whatever it is, right? There, at the end of that, A, you might just lose them. You're not really doing anything extra. They know what it is. You're not adding any extra value. They're like, oh, on the ninth session, I knew I was going to buy. If anything, you're just saying, oh, this stuff is not very valuable. We give so much away for free. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's why you have to just be so careful with it because remember, you're doing a disservice to your own customers as well by saying, hey, come train for free. It doesn't make a difference to us. You know, what you're paying for is not valuable. The only thing we give away for free is one session and only if we've qualified that person and we think they're the right person for that session, which leads into the next point, which is discounts. And this has always been one that personally I've struggled with because so many of my friends want to come train at the gym and just because they have a big network in the local area and a lot of people want to come train, they're kind of expecting mates rates, which I think is probably, most people don't just discount random people and I would say if you do, that's a huge issue. But if you want to have some kind of discount built in, which I don't think you, it's going to be really hard pressed to argue if you ever should. But in some exceptions, you just take away some of the value. So for example, we do have one discount built into creatures prices and that's off peak times. And so we just restrict the amount of times you can come to the gym and we'd have a fixed percentage off of that. Now, essentially, you are giving them a different product, a different mm. service. So, it is valued uh, less anyway and it makes sense. So, I'd suggest if you were to do a discount of any form because sometimes it can be good to have a way to bring the price down mm. and, you know, with services that we've purchased in the past from other businesses, you know, we, have, we bring the price down but we don't expect just the price to come down for no reason. We expect the price to come down for a reason. So, it's like, okay, 
I can do it at that price, but you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have this. Okay, cool. That's fair. Or it's like, hey, that's really expensive. What if we took out this, this, and this? What would that cost? Because equally... It's even like just reducing the sessions. Yeah. You might have like unlimited. Okay, cool. I can do it twice a week and it's less. Yeah. Done. Yeah. So it's like a, even like the, say like a, a PR branding strategy that we're working with someone. We're like, hey, all these hours here, like we're going to absorb those internally. We've got someone else that can do that work, but we don't want to devalue your actual hourly rate and what you're worth and what your time is worth. So let's just take out from what we can do. And that's kind of how we do it with our membership structures as well. You know, it's like, hey, here's the price for twice, three, four, five, increasing prices. So, yeah, I think there's, you got to be really careful with discounting um, because you never want it to devalue your service. So, happy to add things in, happy to take things away and the price can move accordingly, but you never just want to do a discount for nothing. And I think where this really hurts is that most gyms make their price as low as they possibly can. Mm. So, they've priced themselves like, okay, I just make money at like $65. <laughs> and then they just count to 45. Yeah. So now you make no money. No money. Right, which is the crazy, crazy part of it. And then you brag about how many members you got. Yeah, so it's, it, it really does. It can't tell you how much it gets out of control. Plus, you know, sometimes the word gets around that some people got a different deal to other people. Often, you know, with clients, I had one recently um, at the locker room and the like, first thing she said was just, oh, you know, are the rates negotiable? Straight away, I was like, oh, fuck, I think he really needs it. And I was like, no, nah, they're not because we, we don't do any discounting. And it was fine. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, cool. Sometimes people just ask. You yeah. know, it's a fair enough question because most gyms do do it. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're desperate for it. You yeah. Know? Sometimes when things go quiet, you'll just throw in a discount for no reason at all. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're just thinking about it and you're like, oh yeah, actually I can do like 10% off this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm happy to pay full price, but yeah, more than welcome to. Yeah. yeah. So you just, I think very often it's it's not as valuable, you know, for most people taking $9 off the price, not actually the thing they're weighing up. That's mm-hmm. not the thing that's getting them to join. Um, and then, yeah, if you really need to, you've got to have a proper reason behind it. I think the like template reasons, like, I don't know, being a student or whatever, like usually the shittiest ones, mm. right? Especially if you don't even want students. Yeah. Make it something real. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a really good example on the weekend. So on the weekend, I was in Melbourne and I was um, shopping at, I, I, I wasn't actually going to buy anything. I was just mm. browsing, right? So I went to these like, they've got lots of cool like limited edition sneaker stores in Melbourne. So I went to one store. And it's like a main, it's like a big kind of like franchise, like exclusive sneak store. Very professional, very well laid out, like very high-end brands. Come in, walking around, very professional stuff. Come out, hey, sir, how are you going? What are you looking for today? Is there anything I can help you with? Colors, sizes, anything? I'm like, no, I'm all good, just kind of browsing. Great, let me know if you need anything. Really professional, standing by, like keeping close on me, like smiling, all really good. Walk into another sneaker store, right? And what's interesting about the sneaker game is it's kind of got all these young kids in it. And they're kind of like, I don't know, it's just, it's, there's just, it can be anyone mm. that kind of runs these stores. It's not really like you don't, you kind of have an expectation when you see a coffee shop, it's kind of like the same type of owner. When you see a gym, it's like the same type of owner. With Sneaker Game, it's kind of a little bit mixed up. It's people that are trying to be super mm. cool, but the age is very wildly. So there's this really professional company and then you've got lots of these little side boutique stores in a way. It's, I guess it would be like Virgin Active versus like some small CrossFit gym. That would be like the comparison. But anyway, I walk into this small store as a young kid behind the counter and when I say young, I reckon he's maybe like 20, mm. 21 and he's clearly running the shop and the shop's great and it's laid out nicely and he's got good products and everything by shitting himself, right? Obviously, no experience with sales, done no personal development in his life, just gone, I like collecting sneakers so I have the right to open up a store. Huge, huge error on his behalf. I'm being harsh here but this is the fucking truth. He was standing behind his computer. He, this is what he should have done, right? He should have gone out from behind his computer that he was protecting himself from, putting a barrier between himself and the customer because he's scared, right? 
It should have gone up. Hey, sir, what are you looking for today? How can I help you? I have lots of sizes. Um, you know, potentially, you know, the price doesn't suit you. What's your price range? Smile, shake my hand. Literally, <coughs> from behind the desk, across the store, it's 10% off. I was like, what? And he looked down at the computer. I was like, did someone just yell at me? And then I, I look up again and I was like, it's what? And he goes, it's 10% off. And he looks back down at his computer. And I said, this is literally the worst sales experience I've ever had in my life. If you're going to take out a lease, bro, get better at sales. Come out from behind the desk, come smile, come look me in the eye, come shake my hand and say, how can I help you today? But it started with yelling a discount across the table. That's obviously one of the worst experiences that I've had before. But when you discount, what it shows you is that you're scared. It shows you that you don't back yourself, that you don't back your product and customers sense that. And that was obviously a very tangible, very easy way to do it but he was scared, right? And that's what it shows. So, when you don't back yourself, when you discount your products, you know, that's not, is that really someone that the customer wants taking care of their health and fitness? Someone who doesn't back themselves? Someone who's not certain in what they do? Someone who's not confident? Probably not sending the wrong message. Yeah, so, and there's other ways as well because I know some people like, oh, it's like a cultural thing, right? Like where I'm from, everyone does some sort of deals. That, that is true, right? There's different cultures and how they do discounting differently. I think some cultures have like absolutely none. So I would think more around, you know, what are other things you can do that are not discounting the price? It might be like changing the commitment length. You know, oh, we normally do always do six months, but in a circumstance, whatever, at this price, I can do like a, a one month, whatever it is, right? Or you say, hey, I have a money back guarantee. So if you're worried it's not the right fit, we can still walk away at any time in the first month. So you can just have other things up your sleeve to... Um, to make that work if that's part of your culture. Yeah. Or you can add value another mm. way. It's like, hey, this is the price and look, you know, I can give you when you sign up a free shirt. Yeah, I know something. this is really important to you. I'm going to throw in some extra sessions yeah. with you yeah. to make sure we really get on top of that back injury because I know you're worried about it. Yeah, exactly. So adding value there is, is a way to do it. Okay, so next thing you want to do, I think this is a really good one that came across in the early days. The most important thing that you're not or one thing you really shouldn't do when you're making a sale is thinking about your own wallet and all that means is the amount of money in your own banking account and the problem that people make is that they think, well, I wouldn't pay for this or I can't afford this so how can my customer and that blinds your ability to see what's actually in front of you and helping you solve the, po the problem that's actually in front of you. Instead, you're bringing your own shit into the conversation and limiting your ability to actually solve someone's problem and help them. Don't think, you don't know how much money this person has. They could be multi, multi-millionaire. They could be completely broke. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Don't think about what's in your bank account before you go and sell to this person. And that's a huge error that a lot of people make. Well, in general, if you're in fitness, you're almost always going to think your own rates, if you've charged properly, are overpriced. Because for you, you're like, oh, this stuff's obvious. You're like, oh man, I'm not going to pay like this much money someone to tell me about like the basics of nutrition. Right, right. That's so obvious, bro. Like, of course you want to eat that and not that. But these people don't know that. For them, having someone help them with their lifts is incredibly valuable because they struggle with this their whole life. But yeah. for you, it comes easily. So yeah, of course, you're not going to pay you know, $200 a week maybe for someone to help you a little bit because you're like, oh, I already know all that. I can go into a gym. I can smash it. You know, I just don't need to pay for that. But even if this person maybe doesn't have as much money as you, the value that you can offer them is so high because they know so little about health and fitness. So when you look at it from your perspective, don't be surprised if maybe you think it's overpriced. You're not the one buying it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so next thing that uh, you can do, which is essentially a, an act of desperation, is overselling. And the reason, so what it is, is this way you just overpromise. So you're like, oh, I got to get the sale across. Man, it's going to be all good. We're going to do this. We're going to do that for you. It's going to be like massage at the end of every session. We're going to throw in this. We're gonna do this. And you end up just giving away so much that you're always going to disappoint them. Yeah. Right? This is the worst. If anything, where you want to be is you want to be 
not even telling them everything they're actually going to get. So they buy expecting a bit less and then you over-deliver, right? Okay. That's the ideal because then they stay and they tell their friends. As soon as you start over-promising, the odds of them staying long-term or them referring their friends are so low because they're getting like, how was the gym? Oh, it's, it's less than what he told me, mm. you know? Obviously, he's going to be upset even if the experience is incredible. It's just less than what you said. Yeah. So it really messes things up. Obviously, it makes you look like you're good at sales, but in the long run, you're just shooting yourself in the face. Yeah, in the foot. In the face, so it's really bad. It's more than that. In the mouth. Um, yeah, I mean, really the only thing to say on that is it's not just stuff you're giving them, but it's also results you're promising them. I think people overdo that. It's like, bro, 10 kilos, that's like six weeks. Easy. Yeah. It's like, are you really going to get that person to lose? No. I don't, you know, set the expectations low. Hey, it's a long-term commitment. It's a lifestyle change. I want you to be here for a long time. We're going to lose the weight very slowly or we're going to put on the muscle very slowly. You will get one pull-up. It might take a year. It might take six months. It's hard to say how committed are you to this program. So not telling them and guaranteeing things, you know, that what I can guarantee is that I will follow you up every day when you're not in the gym, right? What I can guarantee is that when you train with us, you will have a coach always looking over and making sure that you're doing great technique. But I'm not going to promise things that don't have control over. Your back will never hurt again. It's impossible. We have less injuries with us because individualized programming, but injuries do happen. And so we're going to go very slow. We're going to take care of it. But I can't guarantee that you'll never be injured with us. You'll just be injured less and we'll take care of you when you do and we'll adjust the program accordingly because injuries are always a part of life, especially if you're pushing your body. That's a much better conversation to have than go, no one's ever been injured with us. Never, not once. We are the injury bulletproof. We'll fix any fucking pain you have. It's just not true. It's just not going to happen. So don't oversell and you know act desperate in this, in this thing to close this out. Okay, last thing I want to talk about the most important thing and like really the thing that if you don't acknowledge this and, and if you don't recognize this and, and do it correctly, you will ride the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster, Wolf of Wall Street style of sales and it's exhausting. It is exhausting and that is counting your chickens before they hatch. And recently, we've just put one of our uh, staff members through the sales training process, really the first person that we've handed over the reins of sales to um, and has done a fantastic job but one of the biggest things that you know, I keep pulling him up on is that you're counting your chickens before they hatch. Until you have credit card details and the payment goes through and the money's in your account, you do not have a sale, right? You might have a commitment to a sale. You might have, oh yeah, when I get home, I'll get my wallet out and I'll call you. You might have a, yes, I'm really keen to do this. I'll transfer you the money tonight. Oh yeah, I'm definitely in. I just need to like check this thing and do this thing here and then cancel this membership. You do not have a sale, I cannot tell you how many times I've gone, yes, I sold that person. All I'm going to do is just sit back now and wait for the text of their credit card details and then it never comes and you just get so, so disappointed. And now, I would never put yourself in that position. That's the first lesson. The first lesson is get a commitment. Get an actual commitment. Get your payment details. If you don't have payment details, consider the sale lost, right? Consider it gone. Now, there's obviously different, there's you know an asterisk with everything that we say here at Locker Room, it's a huge amount of money. It's a massive commitment. So we give them a timeline. We give them, uh, uh, basically, we lock in, we book in a call to, to close it off. And, you know, also with these guys, sometimes they have to put it through a different way. It's not just, you know, a personal $100 at the time. So there are other ways around it. However, that you know when you have a sale and you know when you don't have a sale. And really, even if you find yourself in that position waiting, do not think that you have a sale. Don't get your hopes up. Don't count money don't go celebrate and buy new shoes or take your partner out for an expensive dinner if you haven't actually finished and closed the sale yeah you'll just get this one with time yeah you'll get burnt enough times that you'll you'll take it on board <laughs> yeah yeah you'll only feel happy until you know yeah. the contract's signed and the money's in your account 
Yeah. So those are the main things, guys. Those are the things you shouldn't do when selling. So the first one is not believing in what you're selling. Second, not building rapport. Third is not listening and asking the right questions. Fourth is giving too much away for free. Five is discounting. Six is thinking about your own wallet in the sale. Seven is overselling out of desperation. And then eight is don't count your chickens before they hatch. That's it. That's everything, guys. Hopefully, that was helpful. If you like it, share it with someone else. Uh, share it with your staff. Share it with anyone you think it would be useful for. And we'll speak to you all next week. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, the My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to the mymuscleproject.com forward slash the after show. And if you ask questions, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.